This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. If you want a young guy to keep an eye on there, Schmetzer brought up uh, this kid, Cody Baker, from, uh, yeah. the, from the Academy. It was the one that he said he liked at right back in preseason. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Move to Tacoma. My name is Nate, and I'm your host, an American teacher abroad. This is an eclectic show. I dabble in all sorts of stuff. If you've been listening over the last few episodes, you've heard police accountability. You've heard about uh, financial literacy in high schools. And today we're going in something that's near and dear to my heart, the game of football. So we're talking today with two of my favorite writers from Seattle about the Sounders. We have Ari Lillenwall, who's a writer for MLS.com. And then Mickey Turner, attorney at law, my man, and also a, uh, a blogger with Sounder at Heart. So, fellas, welcome to the show. Nice Thanks for having here. me. Dude, I'm so excited for this conversation because, like, I football is back almost, almost, almost. Uh, Ari, I want to start with you. I'm wondering, like, what is your sense about how the 2021 Sounders season is going to shape up? How we're looking going into the season? Thoughts in general? Um, I definitely think it's going to be interesting because the roster looks pretty different. I mean, they lost some pretty important guys that have kind of been pretty key cogs in the run of success they've had the last couple years. Uh, I mean, you got Kelvin Leardham is out and Joven Jones are both out to enter Miami and Gustav Svensson is also out. So those are three big, big names that they have to contend with. And then you have Jordan Morris who got injured obviously while he was on loan with Swansea city. So they're, I mean, they're going to have to adjust to that. But for me, like when I look at the first team roster, I still see a team that should be upper tier in the West. I, I don't really see a reason why with the talent that they still have, especially down the spine with uh, Nico Ladero and Joe Paulo and Christian Roldan and uh, Yamar anchor in the back, like, Right there, that's still a pretty solid core to the point where I think a lot of people, are. it's being talked about like they're going to take a really huge step back and maybe be more like in the sixth to eighth range in the West. I don't really see it like that, assuming full health. I, I think this is still a team that should still be competing for a top two to three spot in the West for sure. All right, bet I'm going to knock on wood right now for the full health thing. Uh, Mickey, how about you? What do you think, man? Yeah, I kind of echo uh, Ari's thoughts. Uh, you know, I think it was it was clear they were going to lose a couple of those key cogs, uh, Svensson and Leardham in particular. They didn't start MLS Cup. Uh, uh, they have Alex Roldan, who came on at the end of last season, even if he had a shaky MLS Cup. We could probably argue whether that was his fault or not because of the departure of another player. Joven Jones may have had more to do with uh, his performance in that game than uh, any struggles he may have had. So they've lost a lot of key contributors. I wouldn't necessarily call them the 
you know, the top level guys that would really scare you if, if you lost them and didn't have them coming into the season, like a Nico Ladero or, yeah. Um, Raul Ruiz Diaz. Uh, obviously, one key cog they did lose was Jordan Morris, but they were going to be without him for half the season anyway if that loan had gone through. And he may have been gone entirely uh, had that loan gone well and uh, he'd been sold. Uh, that does, obviously, his his return, but being out for the season means that they're not going to have that money to spend um, if they had gotten a big transfer fee for him to bring someone in mid season. Uh, so that's obviously something they're going to have to deal with. So as far as, uh, you know, as kind of the, uh, the back or backups or depth, uh, I think that's probably where you need to look to make sure, uh, and see where that's going to determine whether they're going to be a top level team, um, as they were last year, or if they're going to be kind of middle of the pack, because as I said, their top level talent is still there. Um, and they brought in Mon- Freddie Montero, who's looked really good in the preseason. Um, but with the schedule as it is, as congested as it is, you're going to have to rotate. And I don't think we know how their depth is going to perform at this point. Smetzer said it is very young. Uh, they've got a lot of young players, which we are probably finally going to need to get some time. Um, if for no other reason, then they just don't have the money to bring in a whole lot of other depth uh, pieces. And so you're going to have to start seeing how these uh, rookies sweet sicker swim. We can probably talk about that independently, but overall, I think there's still a uh, a middle of the road to top end team in the West. I don't know how they, you know, they're not playing the East except for two teams, so it's tough to say how they kind of match up with everyone else. But I still think, based on where everyone else is um, and the talent they bring back, they're still, you know, you're looking top four to five and they have the, the capabilities to get up to the top if things swing right. Yeah. Uh, Ari, you talked through the people who had departed. We lost Jovan Jones, lost Kelvin Leardham, lost Swinson, lost Jordan Morris. Uh, were there any new reinforcements that came in besides kids coming up from the Defiance? Um, yeah. So Freddie Montero was the big one bringing him back. And then Kellen Rowe was the other big addition to the first team roster. Um, who it was, you know, cool to see him back just because, uh, you know, local guy, federal way, but, uh, also he's pretty versatile. Like, um, I want to say for most of his career with new England, which was where he spent the majority of his time in MLS, he's played, uh, up higher, like in the, uh, uh as a wide attacker, but can also play as a deeper midfielder and even as a right back. So you can kind of deploy him in a lot of different places. And I think you'll see Kellen Rowe have a pretty big role this year. And I think Freddie's obviously going to have a really big role too. Um, Rui Diaz isn't even in camp yet, but I think when, or no, is, is, is he back, Mickey? Did he, finally uh, he, get back? he is in Seattle. He has to quarantine. I think he'll. Okay. Right. So he's quarantining be, right now. I think he may be training starting today or tomorrow. Yeah, so if it was me making the first choice 11 with the two forwards that Schmetzer said he's going to use, I would probably I would start Rui Diaz and Bruin. But Freddie is making that an interesting discussion because he's playing so well during preseason. And he's still uh, a productive player in the league. If you actually – I think people think of Freddie as more like past it than he probably is. But if you look at how – He's played for Vancouver his last couple MLS seasons. Like he, this guy is still getting his numbers. So uh, I think that that's kind of the rotation you're going to see up top. There is Rudy Diaz and and Bruin and Freddie, 
uh, and they'll they'll rotate that as needed. Um, and then Kellen Rowe is the other big offseason acquisition that I think you'll see get a lot of first team minutes. It's interesting to hear you say that because for myself, when they signed Montero, I was like, oh, dope. That's Rui Diaz on national team duty insurance. But right. I'm realizing now, based on what I'm hearing coming at camp, that actually he might be competing with Bruin for a starting spot. And you're saying more of a rotation. So that sounds actually like good news to me. Something the Sounders don't do all the time is rotate. And like, I'd like to see more squad rotation, honestly. Uh, Mickey, I'm wondering, when you heard that Montero was coming back, what was your initial reaction? Oh, I was pleased. I obviously liked him as a player uh, when he was here in the Sounders, uh, with the Sounders uh, back when they uh, first started. He obviously came in with a huge splash, was their obvi- obviously their most dynamic player. And uh, when they when he left, I think it was time for him to leave because while they hadn't won uh, a whole lot aside from U.S. Open Cups, which is not nothing, obviously, uh, they hadn't been able to get over the hump with the team that they had uh in the playoffs, Montero, yeah, and scored in the playoffs, as many will recall. That was, uh, you know, kind of one of the things that was uh, he left uh, without having done. But he was a young player. He wanted to try to make it abroad. The Sounders, uh, to their credit, have always tried to facil- uh, facilitate those moves for those players. And um, when it's time for them to leave, he was, tw- you know, 25, 26 when he left. Um, and so, uh, I think he was always going to come back. It was just a matter of whether it would have been a really true swan song or if it would have been something where he comes back like Dempsey in his early 30s. Uh, that didn't happen, obviously. Um, so, But they still got him back. And Ari said he was, he's was he been very uh, productive for Vancouver, even though that team has been a tire fire for much <laughs> of the last uh, uh, five or six years, say maybe one year or so, um, when they made the playoffs and got bounced by the Sounders. Uh, so... Uh, I, I, it's, it's a very good move. They needed someone to come in because I don't think their forward depth is, uh, or their youth forward depth is ready to contribute for it's one of those spots where either you've got someone who's just super dynamic or sometimes it takes a long time for them to break in. Yeah. Um, so they needed somebody, especially, as I said, this season is going to be so compressed, uh, so congested and with Rui Diaz likely to be gone for probably at least the 30 to 40% of the year on national team duty. Um, you just had to have someone who could come in and take those minutes. And, um, yeah, I think there, you know, I think we all thought that he was coming in to back up Bruin or get rotation minutes with Bruin, but I think he's making a case that he may want to, he may end up starting now, whether that's a formation they want to go with, uh, and not have the dynamic with Bruin kind of taking a lot of abuse and, uh, having two small forwards up uh, who aren't going to really be able to, you know, post up defenders um, and, you know, play with the backs of the ball. Um, you know, Bruin and Rudy Diaz have had a good relationship on the field and have definitely done some good things. So um, I don't think there's a way really to go wrong. And I don't think that's a position where you really need to worry about who's going to play because there's going to be plenty of minutes for everybody. Um, and so whether or not he's that starter, quote unquote, I don't think it's really going to matter. He's going to get plenty of minutes this year. Yeah, and, and signing him is huge because isn't like the next forward on the roster like AOC basically? Like if yeah, you, so yeah, that's yeah. Who, who signed him? Uh, Campo Chavez, I think is. And, and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not playing a lot with Defiance this year, yeah. just because he's still young. I think he's, he he might not be eighteen yet. And that's the I one think thing. he is eighteen. Yeah, he, he might did. have just turned eighteen. So that's still super young for 
accord. He would just be going to college uh, at this point. So again, I know people are probably like, where, why hasn't he broken through yet? Again, unless you've got a unicorn, uh, it's not necessarily something that's typically going to happen, especially at the poor position. Yeah, for sure. When they signed him in Leva, I was just like, those kids should be in my classroom right now. They're like that young. And so that makes sense totally. Uh, Both of you have talked about formation changes in the two forward set. And so like you probably have more insights than I do. I, I heard talk about us moving to a two forward set. My assumption was it was going to be a four four two, but I've been hearing talk of a three five two scheme. Uh, what 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 are you seeing in training right now? Well, we haven't seen anything in tra- <laughs> training yet because we haven't been able to go. Um, oh, that's fair. That, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that's going to change here in the next uh, couple of days. It sounds like um, my my uh, and Ari can probably chime in on this as well. Uh, certainly, my expectation is that they're going to go with some type of three five two, uh, five three two, whatever you want to call it. I you know, MLS had something uh, regarding uh, empty bucket formation. That doesn't sound like something I would see, and that's not something I don't think anybody would expect necessarily. Hmm. Um, so I th- I'm thinking three five two. Um, that allows them to get you know potentially both Newhu and Brad Smith on the field. If you're playing Newhu at that kind of center back, uh, left center back position, hybrid, whatever you want to call it, and then you can have uh, Smith as a wing back. Um, and so yeah that is kind of where I'm thinking they're going to go. But Ari, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking? Well, just based off what we've seen in preseason so far, that seems like at least what Schmetzer is trying out. So maybe he's just like tinkering with a four, four, two and a three, five, two. And that was just one game, but it does seem like the three, five, two, like you said, uh, is, is that that's what he's been toying with so far. So I'd imagine as it stands that that's, that's what he's going to roll out there. Uh, just, you know, I think just based on the personnel, that makes the most sense. Yeah. At least right now. Um, they've got uh, the three center backs, and then you've got Nuhu, if you want to consider him a center back at this point um, as well, so that he can kind of come in as, as I said, as that left center back in a 3 5 2. And then uh, again, that allows them to play him and Smith potentially together. Um, and then you have Rowe potentially on the other, uh, other side, um, playing that uh, white, re- white ring back position um and then you've got uh roldan and Jopalo uh holding it down in the center with nico and then you've got the two forwards so that seems to make the most sense uh as opposed to trying to shoehorn some type of 442 which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me so mickey you talked through the entire setup in the first 11 pretty quickly there and i want to make sure that like listeners and myself frankly because i'm slow sometimes are tracking through that um so when you when we start the conversation by talking about departures, Leardom leaves, and basically the hope is that Roldan steps into the sorry, a Roldan steps into yeah. the Leardom spot and is starting right back. Who's yes. behind him in that spot? Is there a kid from the Defiance coming up? Uh, I think at this point, uh, uh, Kellen Rowe would potentially be a backup to the right back position. He has played uh, uh, full back positions uh, in his previous stops. I think that's a, that's a big question mark. I think Schmetzer would acknowledge that is something that has not been fully settled yet. Um, there are a couple of kids uh, at the fines and Academy level, which I don't have their names off the top of my head uh, who are getting some, some minutes uh, in preseason, but I don't think you should count on any of them uh, to really have a whole lot of time. Um, 
at least at the start. I think Roldan is just your presumed starter, and they're going to hope that he stays uh, fully healthy. Uh, Spencer in the past has talked about having two deep at each position, and then you know having that third person be someone who's maybe a hybrid who can play multiple positions. But I don't know who is the backup right now, pure backup behind Roldan as Roldan was for much of the season last year behind Lairdham. That is an open question at this point. If they had a game tomorrow where they had to start the second choice right back, I think it would be Kellen Rowe. Like, I don't, I don't know who else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think there is there. Like I said, there are some Academy kids, maybe the fine sky, but just as someone that you, any uh, listeners who uh, would have heard of, I don't think, there is anybody at this point. If you want a young guy to keep an eye on there, Schmetzer brought up uh, this kid, Cody Baker from uh, yeah. the, from the Academy was the one that he said he liked at right back in preseason. Okay. Yeah. I, again, the problem there obviously is this, he's played, he's not even signed to the first team at this point um, right. and has no MLS experience whatsoever. Um, now that doesn't necessarily preclude, uh, preclude them from doing that. They did start Deandre Yedlin, coming straight out of uh, the academy uh, way back when he basically forced the departure of Adam Johansson and then, you know, basically came on the scene and then got sold like uh, yeah, 14 months later. So play the kids. Uh, play the kids. Yeah. So there's certain, that is certainly something that could happen if, if he shows that he is dynamic enough uh, to, to make the team. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. The problem is that, we haven't been able to see number one and there have been no preseason games. Really? Uh, number two, they just had one canceled uh, last weekend because of COVID concerns. So we, it's difficult for us to give a full assessment of how players have looked in preseason because we haven't seen how they've looked in preseason. Uh, Ari for you. So it's, it's almost a misnomer to say who's going to play the Jordan Morris minutes because with the formation change, like they're really right. Jordan Morris minutes, but I'm going to ask that, shitty question anyway so who is going to play the jordan morris minutes with jordan morris being gone even though the formation has changed i mean i wouldn't think of it as a like for like player at the same position the way i would think of it is that it's really on freddie and will bruin to to soak up what the attacking production there um because tactically with the two forwards, it's going to look very different pretty much than any season since Schmesser took over because he's always been about the four, two, three, one. So, I mean, I'm interested to see how it pans out, but, uh, like, I, I think when you're talking about who is going to fill the void for Jordan Morris, they're basically hoping that, uh, Rui Diaz, Bruin and Freddie can combine to, to replace what they lose in goal scoring and then, you know, there's still Nico Ladero, who um, he's one of the best. He's still one of the most well-rounded attacking players in the league. One of the most well-rounded players in general, when you think about what he does on both sides of the ball. But that's really, that's the unit right there. And then, you know, Christian Roldan and Jao Paulo are both um, very competent in the attack as well. And so I think you'll you'll see them chip in to the extent that they can from playing deeper. But um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be the uh the Freddie, Will Bruin and and Rui Diaz show up there without Jordan Morris. They did well to get uh Montero back in because 
based on how he's looked and you know his pedigree, uh, he's certainly going to be able to pick up some of the slack. And then I think, as Ari said, the rest is going to be just by committee uh, with you know guys like Joe Paolo and Roldan, who are capable scorers, uh, picking up uh, some of the slack, hopefully. And then they'll have to see if one of the uh, one of the young kids, uh, you know, hits. Uh, you know, uh, Shandon Hopio maybe uh, comes in and, and does something. Um, uh, AOC maybe he breaks through. Uh, uh, Ethan Doubleair has has gotten a lot of praise from uh, Schmetzer uh, as well. So uh, he did get a start last year and looked looked pretty decent uh, in a game against LAFC. That so, would be one to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. Doubleair. He 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 could. Uh, <laughs> If there's there's a few young guys that are going to be trying to break through this year that I think have a possibility of doing it, and he's one of them, and he's at like a similar attacking position. It's a different type of player than Morris, uh, more more technical, I would say. Uh, certainly not doesn't have the athleticism or just pure size that Morris does to just basically bully past uh, defenders. So, uh, but you know, Spencer obviously wasn't afraid to start him in a game, and you have to assume that. Uh, given congestion, he will be prepared to start him um, if he if he's ready if he's ready to play. So uh, he's definitely one I would take uh, keep an eye on to see if if maybe he gets a start uh, early in the season. So I need to like modify my thinking internally that there's not going to be a Jordan Morris signing replacement coming in, but that the Jordan Morris production is going to go basically hopefully be replaced by Freddie Montero in that second forward set. So that's where those ten goals come from. Yeah. Okay. At one point, I had myself spun up that like we were going to roll out a ham sandwich on the left and hope y'all on the right. (laughs) And that made me really, really nervous. And like you're actually talking me off the cliff. So I appreciate it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, And the only thing is uh, with regard to, you know, signings, uh, you know, they're not going to be any any major ones until the mm -hmm. summer for sure. Uh, Garth has talked about how the uh, the budget, uh, not the not the spending budget, but the salary cap or salary budget, they're pretty much maxed out on. Um, and I'm sure they use that to bring Montero and they will have some room in the summer to potentially bring in a player, but uh, that is, they're not going to do that right now. Um, as you know, as that is Garth's want is to kind of wait and see how things shake out um, and then go in the summer and go shopping to try to find somebody if they need it. So we'll take a break here. And when we come back, uh, I want to hear from you all. uh, What holes do you perceive might need to be filled in in that summer window? And then also very specific predictions for the season ahead. Uh, And then we have a couple listener questions that hopefully have time for. So we'll be back. Hello, friends. This is Marguerite Martin, creator of MovedToTacoma.com and co-founder of Channel 253. It's bad out there, folks. Home prices in Pierce County are up 15% year over year. While it's no secret that the market is hot, you may not know that Tacoma has been the hottest housing market in the country for several years. There is an extreme shortage of homes for buyers to buy. Having a local Tacoma buyer's agent that specializes in the neighborhood and price range you're after can mean the difference between losing or winning the bid on your dream home. If you're looking to sell your current home and find something that meets your needs better, having a neighborhood expert handle your listing will impact how much money you net off of your sale. The right agent to market and sell a home on the West Slope might not be the same person who has the expertise and connections to find you an income generating duplex somewhere else. All agents have specialties and I know the players for every niche. 
Best of all, it doesn't cost you anything. Great local agents are happy to pay me a finder's fee if you end up buying or selling. And you can rest easy knowing you're going to get a great agent who specializes in exactly what you're looking for. If you want to learn more, visit MoveToTacoma.com and use the contact form. Thanks for listening to Channel 253. And we are back. I want to thank you for downloading the show today. The Nerd Farmer Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. We're a local network of podcasts based out of Tacoma, giving points of view, stories, and giving voice to issues you're not going to get elsewhere. Uh, If you are enjoying what you're hearing on the show, I would love for you to do, do two things. One, uh, tell your friends about the show. And then two, also, uh, consider joining Channel 253 as a member. Your membership supports the network, and membership gives you access to our member-only Slack. On the Slack right now, there is a very heated conversation about the We Work documentary on Hulu, and also a conversation continuing from like the last three weeks about what happened with Sheriff Ed Troyer. Uh, in addition, I just want to share really fast and shout out a listener. Uh, I had a coworker approach me uh, over the weekend and she's like, I didn't know you had a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I have a podcast. Uh, and she's like, my sister-in-law or my sister in Santiago, Chile, listens to the show and told me about it. So Sharon Dent shouts to you for sharing the gospel of the nerd farmer, man. Thank you so much. All right. Back to you guys. So we've talked through the roster and talked kind of through what holes remain. I, I do want to return to the back line for a moment. So when it comes to center backs, we have Yaimar, we have Ariaga, we have Shane O'Neal. What is your what is your ranking of those three players as far as like minutes and deployment and where you're like where are you the most confidence? Uh Ari, how about you first? Uh I think it goes Yaimar at the top. Uh he looked really good last year, super solid. Uh and then probably Ariaga as the second starter with second most confidence. I know a lot of Sounders fans probably have very little confidence in Ariaga. I I think a lot of the hand-wringing with him, uh, while, while warranted based on how he played in Orlando at MLS's back, which was, which was very poor, um, I, I don't think his impact on the defense as a whole was actually that negative. If you look at how they played overall and how many goals they wound up conceding, I, I think Jaimar and Ariaga is a pretty solid first choice duo. And then Shane O'Neill as the kind of rotational third center back who can start when you need. I mean, he actually ended up being one of the more important players on the team last year, uh, especially in the playoffs where he ended up starting most of the games because Ariaga was injured, I think. So I think that that's how you would rank it is Yamar Ariaga as your first choice duo with Yamar kind of thought of as the super solid anchor back there. And then O'Neill as your rotational CB. Mickey, you feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah. I would say uh, Yamar is number one. Um, and then there's a little gap <laughs> before you get to, um, if you're talking about level of confidence, yeah. Uh, between uh, Ariaga and uh, and O'Neill, um, yeah, O'Neill certainly was instrumental last year. You know, you could almost call him the unsung hero. I would think that's a fair way to put it. Yeah, uh, based on uh, the way he played, he was solid, um, not spectacular, didn't make many mistakes, which is what you kind of want out of a center back number one, and certainly one who's not a presumed starter. And uh, so, yeah, I, and then Ariaga, as as Ari said. Uh, you know, had some struggles in the MLS's back tournament, uh, was mostly solid after that, and then was uh, gone 
through the remainder of the play or for most of the playoffs due to international duty. I think he also had COVID uh, uh, or was quarantined. And then he had a child as well. And that's why he missed uh, MLS, uh, MLS Cup. So I think coming in this year, this is now his third year uh, with the team. Um, he should be fully acclimated at this point. Um, I think they will give him every opportunity to start uh, alongside Yaimar. Um, he was a, a relatively big money signing that they brought in originally, not that that would prevent them from not playing him if he wasn't uh, wasn't performing. Uh, so I think uh, you know, you're you going to see Yaimar and uh, Ariaga as your one and two with O'Neill filling in there. Uh, and then, uh, as I said, given the formation change, you're going to see Nuhu playing back there as well, it looks like. So they may need another center back. I think Atencio can play center back, although he's kind of more of a defensive midfielder. Uh, so they may look to go. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think they are going to bring in uh, another uh, center back. Sissoko has looked good in preseason and i expect that they're going to sign him based on what schmetzer has said so he will be uh that fifth center back because you do need a fifth center back if you're going to be playing a three center back uh, rotation um so i think that's kind of where they're looking i think there's so i think they're they're solid in their depth at center back and the talent is good there as well because uh, I think Yamar is, you know, he's got the potential to be a, a defender of the year type center back uh, for them and can, you know, knock in a header for a goal um, here as well. So I think they're pretty solid at center back. Um, that is not a position I would necessarily worry about uh, for the Sounders, at least uh, at this point. Does either of you know the status of our boy Sam Rogers right now? Like he's not with the organization, uh, but yeah, do we know where he, he is. Now? He is actually with trialing with, uh, Austin FC. And, uh, I've talked to one of their reporters down there. Um, I don't know what his current status is. This, that was as of a couple of weeks ago, I haven't heard anything that he's not with the team, but I expect he's not going to be back with the Sounders. I think that relationship had deteriorated for any number of reasons. He'd gone out on trial overseas twice. Um, that didn't work out. Um, and he is no longer under, under contract. So, uh, I don't see any way that he's back with the organization. Um, it just is one of those things that just, it, it was, a, it, the relationship deteriorated and it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. I always have a soft spot for for Sam. He made his debut for the team at a U.S. Open Cup match at Starfire. And like, I think like to be at that match, he skipped prom or something like that, mm-hmm. where that was the lore. And so always had a soft spot for him. That's unfortunate, but I wish him the best. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, our, it's a little too bad, but uh, yeah. again, it's just one of those things that just you know sometimes they don't the relationships don't work out. Yeah. So you guys have both made it pretty clear that we're up against the cap, and so like that's why many players were let go. Um, Ari, I, I wonder for you if there was some magic tam that showed up or uh, some sort of like veteran exemption. Where would where do you see the biggest weakness on the roster is? I mean, I think wide attacker is the most obvious thing to point to just with Gordon's injury. Um, and then, you know, I feel like the, the, the top end in the defensive midfield, uh, you know, with Roldan and Jao Paulo as your starters is really good. Um, but then with Gustav leaving, the depth behind them there is pretty thin. You have Danny Leva, who they're hoping will, will be – the answer there and kind of step forward and take up the minutes there that are necessary. But uh, I don't know if you can really count on that as more than a 50, 50 proposition at this point. Um, 
So they could probably use some reinforcements there. But I think most it's mostly in the attack because if if you look at the the group of Bruin, Montero, and Rui Diaz, like that that can solidify you for now. But if there's one injury there or with when, when Rui Diaz when Rui Diaz is gone, if you have one injury there, suddenly it starts to get a little dicey. Um but yeah, I mean I think I think uh out on the wings there is the is the biggest hole that I see right now. I don't know. How do you see that, Mickey? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, that was where I think people were most worried about um both the wing positions coming into the offseason, uh, especially when Morris went down and then you uh Jones left. Uh so there were two starters. So that <laughs> year you know, by net definition, you're 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 down from where you were last year. Um, you know, uh, Rowe is a is a nice piece, but he certainly doesn't replace uh, what uh, Morris did. Um, and then they decided to go with uh, another forward because they're obviously to kind of account for that situation. They decided to go with the two forward formation. Um, so yeah, if I if they had some extra money to spend, that's certainly where they would they would go spend it. Um, you know, their defensive midfield I think is is reasonably solid. Um, they beyond the starters, obviously, with Jao Paulo and, and Roldan, you're not going to get much better than that. They do have Dellum, um, who can uh, obviously oh, yeah. Ser- yeah, yeah. service there, but he doesn't provide uh, much um, going forward. Um, and you know, is he's he's a he's a good player, um, but you know, kind of a replacement level or slightly above um, replacement level player at this point in his, in his career. So they certainly uh, use some depth there, but I don't think they would spend the money there. I think they would clearly go and attack, as already said, to start out on the wing, probably the right wing, um, because I, I, I'm just not sure what they think they have there, uh, in row and double air and, and, and maybe Hobiao, uh, playing there. And so they, that's where they would want to re- reinforce, but, uh, that's not going to happen until the summer. Um, so they're going to have to see what they've got with potentially some of the young kids, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, they need to start seeing what they have with those kids um, at some point, because, you know, for all the uh, plaudits they've gotten for developing their academy uh, system, they, none of them have really broken through yet um, in a sustained way. So uh, this seems like as good a time as any to see what they've got. You've both talked about how there's a solid rotation set up at forward. We know the Sounders always have 25 left backs on the roster for whatever reason. Um, there's a solid rotation at defensive midfield, a solid rotation basically set up at center back. Uh, I have Nico Ladero concerns that I, I just want somebody to talk off the cliff, off the cliff about. So like Ladero has led the league in like amount of, field, yardage, kilometers, miles, whatever term you want to use that he's covered over the last couple of seasons. And as somebody who's over 30, I have concerns about somebody else who's over 30 and like that number of miles on his legs. It seems like if Jao Paulo is out, you slide rolled on in and you bring Delim next to him. Like it seems like for everyone, there's a slide and replace except for Ladero. So is there a version of the formation that is the, oh, my God, Nico is injured. What are we going to do the next six weeks? And if so, what does that look like? It's probably uh, Christian rolled on as your 10, CR 10. I think yeah. that's what they would do. Yeah, move move Christian up. And he can do that. Like, that's honestly, like, it's kind of become a meme how rolled on <laughs> moves around so much. Um but every time that they've had to put him as the emergency 10 in the past, in the exact situation that you're describing, he does pretty well with it. So I would think that would be contingency plan number one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that for sure. Uh, I think John Paulo could probably do some version of that yeah, as well. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, you're just kind of seeing what sticks uh, as far as as other options if they had like an injury crisis and you know had to really just uh, you know knock over the chessboard and just you know put pieces where they could. Um, so I think yeah. You're right. Uh, you know, Nico is now over 30, has a lot of miles on him, runs all over the field. Uh, you know, there's nothing to indicate that he's uh, ready to slow down. It's not like pure speed was uh, is something that he relies on. It's more work rate and technical ability um, and, you know, just you know, hard work. So none, none of those things will just drop off the cliff necessarily. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly a legitimate concern. They don't have a plugger in place, not that you can replace a DP a level uh, player like Nico um, in any case, but you know, it's good to have at least some approximation of what he, he can do. Um, and that's probably Christian at this point. So I think, I think that would be something that, you know, it would, it would be obviously very unfortunate, but that is at least something that they have a contingency plan for, um, even though it would obviously hurt them. Uh, nobody outside of Seattle wants to hear this, but like Roldan is so underrated and it's so versatile. And like this whole, like everybody needs to go play in Europe thing. Like he is better than so many midfielders who are playing in the Netherlands and Belgium and Holland, Holland and frankly in Germany and gets none of the love for it. And just like respect, respect, respect for him. I think, I think the organization certainly respects him. They gave him that uh, big money contract. And so uh, he's, he's obviously happy here and the Sounders are, you know, not, you know, unless they were blown away by some offer or not really intending to get rid of him. And he's signed a long-term deal. So uh, the good news for Sounders fans is they don't have to worry about him necessarily going away. And if you were, it would be because someone came in with a big money offer. So they'd be able to replace him at least. I was going to ask you all about what the hubbub is about tickets and about the stadium and about crowds. But all of that hit my inbox last night. And so by the time this comes out, folks will know that. The well, other maybe thing, you though, think so. <laughs> maybe well, well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> like, I'm in a pod. I don't know where my pod is, but there's a pod of four. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, but the other thing that uh, I'm curious about is, is the entire team becomes eligible for the vaccine on April 15th. And so I'm wondering, have you heard anything about like plans? I feel like the, t- the team and the league in general have been very ca- careful and strategic about like not wanting to take away resources or get special treatment. But do you know, are there plans to vaccinate them in mass or anything like that? Uh, what, what I can say, and maybe Ari, you can, uh, you know, have some other insight on this. Uh, I don't, I think they, Schmetzer said that he, he is encouraging the entire team to get vaccinated, number one, because there are, are reports of some players out there who were saying they're not going to get vaccinated, not on the Sounders elsewhere. I think uh, De Leon from Toronto was very De Leon vocal. had some very, very <laughs> hot takes. Yeah, yeah those ignorant-ass quotes, for sure, yeah. for sure. So, uh, fortunately uh, for the Sounders, none of uh, their players have had uh, similar, similar takes to put out there. So I, there, Spencer said he hasn't heard of any players who are not intending to get the uh, the vaccination. That would present uh, another host of problems as far as quarantine issues, testing, et cetera, et cetera. So assuming, we'll assume for the sake of argument that the entire team is planning to get uh, vaccinated. Um, you know, I think I don't anticipate any issues with them getting that close on or close to the 15th because the supply appears to be reasonably uh robust at this point. Um, so I don't think at that point they're going to be concerned about the optics of getting ahead in line. 
Um, so I would expect that we're going to hear news close to the 15th that the team is making plans to get vaccinated shortly thereafter. And I don't think that anybody at that point will have any concerns, <clears throat> excuse me, about about them jumping the line. So I would expect the entire team gets vaccinated pretty close to the 15th. Um, and you're seeing other teams, Atlanta and I think Inter Miami just announced that their entire team had started the vaccination process too. So I would Houston, expect that's going to happen. Houston all got vaccinated. There's a couple more teams yeah. that have already done it. Ari, you should tie your hair back in a bun and just walk in and be like, I'm with the team. And can I, to <laughs> I know it's getting to that point where I can do that. <laughs> Uh, one more question to run by you all before we go to predictions. Uh, I've been reading that with Major League Baseball, some of the stadiums are basically asking fans to come in with either proof of vaccination or proof of a recent negative test. Have you heard any of that, uh, Scuttlebutt, for the Sounders and Lumenfield? Oh, I said Lumenfield, right. Yes. I thought I was going to mess it up. Yes, Lumenfield. I don't know if that's been determined yet. I haven't heard anything on that. Have you, Nikki? Um, not not specifically the, the protocols right now, um, as we were talking about the ticket, uh, Hello Blue, um, is there was nothing that required people to come in with vaccinations or a test. They obviously will be required to wear masks, observe social distancing and things like that. Because the numbers are so limited, I think they're, they're satisfied that that is sufficient for now. Um, and given the fact that, you know, uh, widespread vaccinations for any adult who wants it is not here yet. Um, so I think once they start increasing those numbers, they may ask for that. Um, but I think for now, I think the numbers are so low as far as the capacity is concerned that they're not uh, overly concerned about uh, requiring people to come in with vaccinations. I know, as you said, there's other uh cities that are requiring um, one of those two things. But uh, for now, I think, you know, uh, as long as fans are observing the protocols, uh, I think they're satisfied with masks and social distancing. I want to close out by having you to be prognosticators. And so I'm going to ask you each for a very specific prediction. So none of that vague, like, Sounders make the playoffs. A very specific prediction about either the Sounders or the MLS 2021 season. Uh, Ari, you first. Okay, I got one. Uh, all right, so you know how last season uh, Shane O'Neill was kind of the guy that came in under the radar, wasn't very hyped up signing, but then he wound up playing uh, like a very important role on the team and got a lot of minutes with starting playoff games. So I was thinking about who's that going to be this year? I think it, I think Jimmy Jimmy Madronda. This is my hot take. Is going to be getting, <laughs> he's going to be getting a lot of minutes this year. And it's not, I like I, in a first choice lineup or even as like your second choice rotational piece. He might not be in the picture, but with MOS, it always happens where guys go out on international duty. There are injuries. You end up going into that depth. And he's a guy who, if you look at how he. Uh, played in his initial stint with Sporting Kansas City. He was like a very reliable, solid MLS player. And I just think it's what's going to happen this year is there's going to get a point where he he's going to end up playing a much more significant and meaningful role with the first team this year than than people realize. Like that's that's my hot take. Can can I just say that like 
the breakout player for the season is going to be our third left back. Okay. <laughs> I don't, okay. I, I wouldn't say breakout. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or anything. I'm saying he's, yeah. just, he's going to get a lot more minutes than, than you realize. It's a can, name can that everyone should be familiar with. He's a natural left back. Can he play inverted and play on the right? Uh, I don't, th- I don't know if he can play inverted, but I know he can play higher up the field. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's, that's definitely a very specific prediction. Uh, Mickey, how about you, man? Uh, I'll go off, off menu, off Sounders menu, and I'll go a uh, wider MLS. And uh, I will say that uh, Sacramento, uh, who lost their expansion team, uh, I think what's going to happen is San Diego is going to be the, t- the city that replaces them. Um, wow. That's a good, ro- that's a good road trip. Uh, that's Ooh, such a better, that's like a better take than my take. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, just direct flight. Let's go. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I think that they're the ones that have the most likelihood of, of coming in and swooping up that spot. At least at this point, I thought they were dead for the longest time ever since landed. Uh, his proposal for a stadium uh, got nixed uh, in a vote down there and they went with the San Diego state, uh, you know, uh, proposal. And so that stadium, I think, I think that MLS would like to be in San Diego. I think they, there's a lot of good things they like about it. And I think they're prepared to do some type of stadium share, assuming they can get, some assurances about controlling revenue because that's always what it's about. Um, but beyond that, it's a good location. Um, and I say it's a good location, good city. Uh, I say that not because I spent three years of law school there, uh, but I think it, it takes a lot of boxes for MLS. Um, so I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, what I'll go with my prediction and we'll find it, something it takes about boxes uh, for me. Yeah. Something about that this year. We'll, we'll find out about Roberto's tacos. Let's go. Um, one question about Sacramento. When the billionaire pulled out of the MLS expansion deal, did he stay or did they stay in with the NWSL team? Do you know the status of that? I believe it is not it's not dead. Let's put it, let's put it that way. Um, okay. so I think they potentially will still be there. Uh he didn't it's not again, it's not dead. That's what I can say about it at this point. But yeah, that was obviously a very uh, nasty situation uh with uh Burkle basically pulling up stakes and leaving them high and dry. I mean, it's not the city's fault. It's not MLS's fault, really, except maybe they trusted somebody, somebody that they shouldn't have trusted. Um, and yeah, it was, it's definitely a sad situation for Sacramento because they obviously have a huge fan base, cool crest, good history, um, and uh, they're ready to build the stadium. It's just that it's costing a lot more than they thought it was going to. So. Yeah. Well, even Sacramento traveled well. Like they show up at Defiance games. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, y'all, y'all roll deep. Y'all roll deep. Uh, listener Craig Cracker, by the way, the answer to your question is no. I'm not going to read it, but the answer is no. Schmitz has not learned. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you both for coming on the show. Uh, Ari, if people want to follow your work on the socials or like online, where should they look? Uh, yeah, all my stuff is on MLSsoccer.com. Uh, you can catch me on there most days. And then you can follow me on Twitter, which is just my name, which is a-R-I-L-I-L-J-E-N-W-A-L-L. And y'all, if you don't follow Ari, he is the foremost defender of Jordan Moore's stats and also oh a very, God. very vociferous critic of law enforcement in we the could, Seattle uh, area. And, oh yeah, yeah, we could do a whole another podcast on just Jordan Moore's takes if you want. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is you just like, I'm going to start stuff today and just, just take it on all comers. I was just having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> Mickey, how about you, man? 
You can find me uh, on Twitter, Turner ESQ. Uh, and then obviously I write for uh, Sounder at Heart and uh, Soccer ESQ uh, is the website where I sometimes write. <laughs> it's been a bit uh, stagnant there, but I'm planning to get back into things uh, as the season gets underway. So that's where you can find me. Not Mickey, your sports writing is so good. And I particularly appreciate how you would write about the business side of the league. And so I appreciate it, honestly, man. Yeah, it's the fun stuff to write about. Is it doesn't get covered uh, as much necessarily, so it's kind of a cool niche. All right. Thank you both. Wakanda forever, y'all. Wash your damn hands. Wear a mask. Uh, get a vaccine. Prosecute the police that killed Manuel Ellis. And Portland sucks. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Bring yeah, back Ross Fletcher. Yeah. God. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.